0: You're listening to the Marathon Church Podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit MarathonChurch.org. We hope that this encourages you and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. Happy Mother's Day. It was <laughs> our little gift to you, letting you start off with some tears this morning. Um, I'm Casey Callahan. Like I said earlier, I'm the family pastor here at Marathon. We are in the middle of our Just a Phase series. And I've heard from several families that that's something that they've kind of been repeating since we started this series. It's just a phase. It's just a phase. But what we want to do is take something uh, that seems negative. You know, this too shall pass. My almost three-year-old one day will use her words again. She won't just scream at me all the time or... One day, my 10-year-old won't just only be sassy to me. She'll actually speak to me with love and respect again. This is just a phase. But we've learned, and Chase, my husband, and I have worked together on this, that really every stage of life is an opportunity for us to speak God and for us to lead people to God. So what if, instead of getting so frustrated with the three-year-old tantrums, what if we use this opportunity, this small window of time that we'll never have again to show God to our three-year-old? So we have uh, these vases on the table with all these small pieces of paper in them. And basically, This represents time, each small piece of paper, starting with the green here, that's a newborn baby. You guys started with 936 weeks until they turn 18. And it goes all the way down until you have 52 weeks, their senior year that you have left with them. And what we know is that time over time over time is what matters. It's the little things that you do all day, every day, that add up. And I will encourage, if you guys don't know that we have a podcast here at Marathon, I will encourage you to go back and listen to it. We usually put one out about every week or every other week. Chase and I did one this past week where we were able to talk more about this. I'm such a dweeb, guys. I could talk about this for so long. I'm so passionate about it. So I was able to go into a little bit more detail. And I promise you, I know that there are families that you see this vase and you're like, but I've got a big ball of ugly in our family right now that we're dealing through. I've got hurt, I've got pain, I've got exhaustion, I've got confusion, and I've got this big ball of ugliness that's just messing up this, because I promise God uses time over time. The little things add up. Look in scripture, the little things add up. What can move a mountain? The faith of a mustard seed. It's not the big thing, it's the small thing. Um, What fed 5,000 people? One little boy's lunch. It's the small things that God uses. So I know that it feels like right now you might have a huge mess in your jar that's totally messing up your table and your picture, but time over time, just continue to walk with God and he will turn that mess into a message. Every time, I promise you. Um, We do have the phase table out in the atrium. We have some resources. We have some cards back there. Take pictures of them. Um, Pick up any of the printed out resources, their cell phone contracts, um, how to get started with chores, a feelings wheel to help with emotions. So please, those are all free. Make sure you grab those. This is a new resource that we just added this week. And if you're looking for the eighth grade one out there, it's because I have it. Take pictures of this. This has just gold in it. There's one for every age all the way until a senior. And this says eighth grade, the phase when it's cool to have choices, it's not cool to answer questions. And one smart kid will remind you. Yeah, I know, that sounds like my eighth grader right now, but it has um, ways that they're changing uh, physically, socially, emotionally, mentally, things that you can say to them, how they're thinking right now. So I encourage you go take pictures of these. Um, They're on the table. Um, and use it, because it has changed the way I parent, for sure. Um, It's an honor to be in front of you guys, and I'll just be honest, I always feel super unworthy when I stand up here to talk to you guys. Um, If you don't know me, if I haven't had a chance to get to know you yet, um, I've been married to my husband, Chasen. You guys saw him earlier during the baby dedication. He's also on staff here. Um, We've been married for 18 years, and we have three kids um, Emerson, our oldest, our son, will be fourteen tomorrow. and that doesn't even seem real. That doesn't seem possible. Um, Georgia, the sassy one, is ten, and our baby girl Rollins, will turn three at the end of this month. I've been a part of marathon since the very beginning. I started attending in the middle school twenty five years ago when I was a teenager. Um, about ten years ago, I came on staff, and I've spent most of that as the marathon kids director, and I have loved every second with your kids and your families, but just recently um, I was given the opportunity to kind of broaden my focus, and so I became the family pastor. So now I oversee birth all the way through 12th grade, um, as well as connecting and resourcing parents, and then I'm also still the director of Orchard Hill Camp, which is our after-school camp and our full-time summer camp that's about to start up. Um, Could not do any of that, not even one single part of that if I didn't have an amazing team. So I want to just take a short second and give a shout out to Jared Owensby, who is our Powdersville campus youth pastor. Uh, Cassidy Cox is the Powdersville campus kids director. Lauren Kilbreth is our Greenville campus kids director. And Casey C.B. Michael is our OHC camp coordinator. Y'all, this is the best team. If you see them, you need to give them a, in fact, let's give them a big round of applause right now. They do so much for the kids and families here. I am super, super thankful for them. And if I'm being really honest, they make me look way better than I am in reality. But everybody needs that in their life, right? We all need that team. And if you think about the rich and the famous, they literally hire people to go before them and around them and to make them look perfect. And you have paparazzi that are hanging around. and. They're waiting for the shot of what? Imperfection. That moment when they're not perfect anymore. But most of us don't have that team. In fact, I don't think any of us have a team that serves us 24 seven and their only mission is to make us look perfect. So why do we still try? Why do we beat ourselves up when we fall short? Even though we can't ever reach the bar that we've set for ourselves, we continue to try and we continue to beat ourselves up. And somehow, somewhere we bought into this lie that we can be superheroes. And today is a Mother's Day message. So I am talking to moms in this room, but I'm also talking to dads and I'm talking to grandparents and I'm talking to every man and every woman and every child because every single one of us thinks that we have to be perfect. And when it's not perfect, what do we do? We smile right through it. Don't let them see you sweat, right? We are gonna fake it till we make it. And I am maybe the most guilty of this. Some of you know that I had to have major back surgery last year, about five months ago. Um, For the past few years, I had really struggled with severe back pain, but most of you guys didn't really know about that until about a year ago. And uh, I don't know if I can blame it on that third baby, or starting Orchard Hill and ziplining and dancing. I don't know whose fault it was, but I know for sure that it's not because I'm getting old. I know that for a fact. I will blame it on anything but my age. Um, so became, the pain became so terrible that it was impossible for me to hide it anymore. Um, I am more of the suffer in silence type. So Chase would get really, really frustrated with me because at church on Sunday or walking around camp, I would high five and I would dance and I would you know, get on my hands and knees with the kids and hug and fist bump and smile the whole time. And then I would go to my office and I would collapse in tears. And he told me, he said, it's okay, you can be real. Stop faking it. And that infuriated me. That made me so angry because I thought that I was being so tough. I thought, look how strong I am. Look what I'm able to go out and do even though I'm in pain. But the truth is that I was a huge coward. I was so afraid to show you guys my weakness. I was so afraid for you guys to see me in pain. I really had to drop. A lot of that. I had to let go of some of those weaknesses as I was getting ready for surgery and recovery. And a lot of you saw me over the past year hobbling around, couldn't even hardly stand. Some of you might've even seen me in a wheelchair, um, getting wheeled around. And my kids and my husband and my church family and my family, you guys had to see pain and you had to see weakness. And I had to do something really hard. I had to receive help. And then I had to do something that was even harder for me, and that was I had to ask for help. I had to admit to everyone that I wasn't perfect, that I couldn't do it on my own. The surgery actually went great, better than they had even hoped. Um, Still healing from it, still getting over some nerve damage. It's just going to take some time. But God healed me through that surgery. I 100% believe that. I do have a scar on my back, pretty gnarly little scar um, that reminds me of a really, really tough time. But it also reminds me to be thankful that I can stand up here with you guys today, that I can get on my knees with the kids again and give them high fives. Oh, y'all are too sweet to me. I'm so thankful for what was so hard for me a year ago. It was so easy for me to do now, and I'm so thankful. And after I had my consultation with the surgeon, he told me that I will always need to be careful and I'll probably always have to ask for help. And one of the biggest things I have to be careful with is repetitive lifting. And so I called Chase when I left the appointment and I told him about that. And he said, okay, is that something that you were planning on getting into? Or? And I said, what? He said, competitive lifting. And I said, no repetitive lifting, but it did also make me realize that my hopes of being a competitive lifter are out the door. So who knows what I could be if I could lift weights now. But um, my superhero status was attacked during this time. And I learned that I had to drop the Hercules syndrome. How many of you guys have seen the Hercules movie? A few of you. Are you guys thinking of the Disney version? That's a good one, but that's not the one I'm gonna talk about right now. I'm actually talking about one that starred The Rock, because who else do you cast as Hercules? Um, This was back in 2014, starring Dwayne Johnson. And this was actually kind of a different take on the legend. See, Hercules was believed to be the son of a God, Zeus, which means, therefore, he's invincible. But the truth is, in this version, he wasn't. He wasn't perfect, but he felt like he had to live up to this idea of Hercules. Does that sound familiar to anybody? So in his effort to appear perfect, he actually recruited a team of people. They were skilled fighters, and they would secretly help him defeat any enemy that he would face in an attack. So at one point, there's this epic battle, as only you can imagine in a movie starring The Rock would be, and Hercules actually gets injured. And one of his secret members runs to him and covers up the wound with a cloak. And he looks him in the eye and he says, never let them see you bleed. Never let them see you bleed. Because that's what we think a real hero has to do. You hide those scars, you hide your wounds. You need to be perfect but my stomach kind of twists when I hear this because I have a contrasting image in my mind. That's an image of Jesus. He was the one that was perfect. But I see Jesus on a cross bleeding for all to see. So what if what we showed the world and our kids and our families wasn't fake? What if we weren't someone just pretending to be perfect? What if we actually let them see us bleed? And what if we showed them our scars? What if you let them see your scars? Now I'm not saying that your kids are your therapists, not saying you can drop all your problems on them, but I'm just saying maybe if they saw how you reacted when you went through hurt. I mean, why do you think we feel a little sad when Facebook memories pop up and we see how much our kids have grown up? Why do you think that video makes us cry? I'll give you a hint. It's not because we all miss changing dirty diapers. That's not it. That's not why we're sad. We're sad to watch our kids grow up because we know that they're gonna make bad decisions. How do we know that? Because we made bad decisions. We're sad because we know that they're gonna have their hearts broken because we had our hearts broken. They're gonna get beaten up by the world. They're gonna have a mean boss. They're gonna have an unfair teacher. They're gonna have a best friend that backstabs them because that's life. And we know that it's coming for them because we've experienced it. But instead of preparing them for it, we kind of send them blindly into it. If we haven't shown them how to deal with it, and it's because we're afraid to show them our scars, So what if instead of showing them how to fake it, we gave them a front row seat to watching God work in and through our hurt? What if that could plant a seed of faith so deep that in tough times, there is no doubt where our kids would turn? What if, if you're having a rough time at work and you say, man, I've got a coworker that is really mean to me and I'm trying to figure out how to work this out? Because you know what? Your kids have someone at school that's being mean to them. What if you royally messed up something at work and you showed them how to walk through that? Because guess what? Your kids are gonna mess something up. There's a story of Jesus and it's found in John chapter 20. Some of you may have heard of doubting Thomas. He kind of gets a bad rap. Um, If you do a little more research about him, he's way more than this moment. But this takes place after Jesus was crucified and buried and Jesus came back to life. And Jesus didn't have Insta, or Snapchat to be like, hey, I'm back, here I am, to let the world know. Instead, he had to appear to people in person. And he appeared up to 500 people, historians say, that he was able to see. And um, at this point where the story picks up, he had appeared to just some of the disciples, but not all of them yet. So verse 24 says, now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And this story is really interesting to me for a few reasons. Um, number one, I just love how patient Jesus is with Thomas. Um, he doesn't say like, dude, I just appeared in a locked room with you after I was dead. And you're still saying you won't believe. Um, he didn't even make Thomas ask him for proof. He didn't even like hide his hands and say, go ahead. I know you wanna see it, ask for it, go ahead. Um, He just appears before him, says, peace be with you, and holds out his hands. The scripture doesn't say that Thomas even touched the scars like he said he would need to do to believe. It says that when Thomas saw the scars, he believed and called Jesus Lord. So what if by showing our scars, we could lead people to believe in Jesus? What if our scars, our hurts, our wounds actually pointed people to Jesus? The Bible tells us that when we die and we go to heaven, we will have a glorified or resurrected body. And there's not a whole lot of detail in it, but we're supposed to be perfect. Um, In 1 Corinthians, the writer Paul kind of contrasts our earthly body with this resurrected body. And Paul says, the body that is planted does not last forever. The body that is raised from the dead lasts forever. The body um, is planted without honor, but it is raised in glory. It is planted in weakness, but it is raised in power. So I may not know exactly what I'm going to look like with my resurrected body in heaven, but I think I'm going to look pretty good. I mean, it seems like it's going to be a pretty good deal. So y'all don't make fun of me. I tell Chase that if he doesn't recognize me in heaven, that I'm gonna be Whitney Houston. (laughs) Because I plan on starting to sing in heaven and never stopping. And I'm gonna sound like Whitney Houston when I get to heaven, I just know it. But the story of Thomas makes me think, in a resurrected body, why does Jesus still have his scars? I won't have my scar from my back surgery. Whitney Houston won't have that scar on her back in heaven. You won't have a scar from the time you fell on the playground, but Jesus, who is the ultimate healer, who defeated death, he chose to keep those scars. Could it be because he knew his scars would help Thomas believe? Because you see, Jesus knows our needs before we do. He knows what we need before we even ask for it, before it's even become a need. He had already kept the scars. Jesus knows our needs. He's willing to keep a scarred body to help us believe. There's another instance in the Bible, also found in the New Testament of Jesus, that just shows me how he knows. He knows. Um, Some of you have heard me share my thoughts on it before, but the leadership team encouraged me to share it again because we all need reminders every once in a while. I want to tell you the story of Zacchaeus. And a lot of us that grew up in the church learned about Zacchaeus by singing a song about how he was a wee little man. And uh, older generation, I'm so sorry, but we don't sing that song anymore because it's not cool to make fun of how people look. And we figured that out as a church. So we don't sing about how he's a wee little man anymore. But the story is found in Luke chapter 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man named Zacchaeus lived there. He was a chief tax collector and was very rich. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was a short man. He could not see Jesus because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree. He wanted to see Jesus who was coming that way. Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this. They began to whisper among themselves. They said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up. He said, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of what I own to those who are poor and I have have cheated anybody out of anything. I will pay it back. I will pay back four times the amount I took. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. You are a member of Abraham's family line. The son of man came to look for the lost and save them. So one of the reasons why I love this story is when Jesus was traveling through Jericho, he was really making his way to Jerusalem and the cross he was walking towards his crucifixion. He had been gaining followers, the crowds were getting crazy. You could say that Jesus's life was pretty busy. It was a really hectic time. But you have this guy, Zacchaeus, and the Bible does not spend a lot of time uh, telling us about him. There's not a whole lot of words that they give us, except that he was short, he was rich, and he was a tax collector. And as a tax collector, he was dishonest, and he was a cheat, and he was probably the most hated man in the city. He had pretty much stolen money from everyone in town, but we know that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. So I'm imagining that Zacchaeus tried his very best to peek through the crowd. He's a short guy, so he might've been trying to get on his tiptoes and separate shoulders to get a glimpse of Jesus, but people didn't like him. He was hated, so they probably shrugged him away. So maybe he crawled on his hands and knees trying to part robes and get between knees to get to the edge of the road where he could look up and see Jesus walk along, but nothing was working. Um, So this man, he ran along the road, he got ahead of the crowd and he climbed up into a tree and he waited to see Jesus. As Jesus walked along the road, all that was happening around him, all the traveling and the crowds, the fact that he was walking towards his death could have kept him from seeing Zacchaeus, could have walked right underneath him, but Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Verse five says, Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your house today. What I love about this is Zacchaeus went to see Jesus. He was struggling so hard to see Jesus, but Jesus saw Zacchaeus. And take notice, cause this is really important. Jesus called him by his name. Jesus looked up in that tree and he said Zacchaeus. He didn't say short guy. He didn't say you cheater. He didn't say what I sometimes fall back on. What's up guy? How are you doing, dude? He knew his name and he said his name. And so some of us, we're willing to run ahead. We wanna see Jesus so bad. We're ready to run down that road. We're willing to climb the tree. Because we wanna see Jesus, we wanna show our kids Jesus, our families Jesus, our neighborhood Jesus. But here's the best news of the day. Jesus already sees you. Jesus sees you sitting in that tree. He sees all your scars. He sees all your wounds. He sees all of your hurts. He sees you and he calls your name. He doesn't call you mom. He doesn't call you single dad doesn't say, hey, grandparent, that's starting all over from the beginning. He doesn't say, hey, bad cook. Hey, they're the one that can't keep their house clean. He sees you and he calls you by your name. And as a parent, you feel like you have to see it all, right? We have eyes in the back of our head is what we have to do because we have to see what our kids need. We have to see what our kids should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. We have to have it all. But before you can see, I want you to know that you have been seen. Before you can really step into parenting your kids and seeing all those needs, you need to know that Jesus sees you and he is calling your name. And don't forget this last verse where Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. There's some of us need to remember that we're seen and known But there's some of us that need to realize that Jesus brings salvation to our house. I wanna pray for everybody because I've kind of covered the gamut. Some of us are dealing with big hurts, big scars, physical, emotional, spiritual, you name it. And I'm praying for you to let God work in that and give your family a front row seat to God healing hurt. But some of you guys are sitting in the tree, trying so hard to see Jesus and trying so hard to point others to Jesus. Some of you are so tired and exhausted that you're just sitting at the base of the tree because you can't even climb it. And I'm gonna pray that you know, that you know, that you know that God sees you and he's calling your name. Will you guys pray with me? God, thank you for your holy words. Thank you for every part of it, reminding us how much you love us, how you sent Jesus for me, for each and every one of us, God, that Jesus showed his scars, that he bled in front of everyone so that we would believe. So God, I pray that in the hurt in these families and in the exhaustion in these families, God, I pray that you work in a way that when we step back and see your miracle, we say that was the almighty God. God, let the next generation see us lead a way that points to you. God, when we're too tired to even climb the tree, let us hear you call in our name. Let that be what refreshes us, what renews us, what strengthens us. God, let us hear that and know that we are seen and loved. God, we pray all this in your name. I wanna give a chance now while everyone still has their head bowed because some people in this room need to trust Jesus. Just like Thomas, you need to call him Lord of your life. I read in Luke earlier that the son of man came to look for the lost and save them. I'm gonna pray and I wanna give you an opportunity to trust Jesus because we were never created to carry the burdens of this life alone. Not a single one of us are perfect. We all need Jesus to save us. So if you're ready to make that decision, just pray this with me. Lord, And I call you Lord, I choose today to trust you. Jesus, I want you to bring salvation to my house today. Jesus, I know you lived a perfect life. I know you died for my sin and I know that you rose again on the third day. And because of you, you have rescued us from our sin and our punishment. God starting today, I wanna be more like you Help me to be like Jesus every day. Help me to use the things that happen in this life to point others to you. God, we love you so much, and we're so thankful for everything that you've given us, all of your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure to let us know by connecting with us at MarathonChurch.org. If you haven't already, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at MarathonChurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. Thanks for listening to the Marathon Church podcast.